title of my message this morning, God Being There For You, is an understatement. God Being There For You is an understatement. As we look at our life, life is not fair. We live in a fallen world. Uh, we have a fallen body. Uh, we do experience hurts and trials and temptations and storms and failures and disappointments, evil, uh, disagreements, diseases, a lot of heartaches. But that's the world we live in. Paul said it like this, Galatians 1, 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. And Paul says what you're living in is an evil world because the God of this world has an evil system and his name is Satan. And uh, he controls the system that's going around. And so he hates righteousness. He hates holiness. He hates godliness. And so that's why he's always attacking us, it seems like. And when one of these trials happen to us, what do we do? Well, usually what we do, we try to stop the pain immediately, the hurt, don't we? And uh, instead of maybe we ought to step back and look at the big picture, I always remember uh, Pastor Bill Goode. Uh, he's from, uh, he was a pastor of Faith Baptist in Lafayette and the counseling center there. And he said, you know, what we need to do when we're going through trials is step back and ask God. Said, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me through this circumstance, this trial? He said, that's the only way you ever get growth is when you try to learn through your experience. And I always thought that that was, was good counsel. Now, Romans chapter 8, you know these verses well. So I'll just comment briefly. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. In verse 28, we see his promise there. He works in our life for ours and his good. Not just our good, but for his good. He wants our good to bring him glory for his good. Amen? Events, blessings, difficulties are not always luck or chance or just an accident. Oftentimes, God has planned something for your life or he's permitted it like he did in Job's life. He's involved in our lives without violating our human responsibility. It's an amazing thing how he does that. The old story goes where we were listening to it as we were coming into church, uh, Horatio Spafford. He was a Christian man and a lawyer in Chicago many years ago, and uh, he sent his wife, and Nam wanted to take a vacation, so his wife and four uh, children got on the ship, and they left. And while they were out to sea, getting closer to France, uh, they hit another ship, and they began to sink, and they went down. When she got to France, she telegraphed her husband, and she said, Saved alone. <laughs> Lost all four kids. Mr. Spafford's heart was broken. And for years it just ate at him. And one day he went to, uh, time he went to Jerusalem to look at some of the sites. And there, while he was overlooking uh, the empty tomb, as he looked at that empty tomb, he started writing and he wrote a song. The only song he ever wrote and it was about this tragedy of him losing his four daughters in that shipwreck. 
And the chorus says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And as a result of that tragedy, he wrote that song, and that song has comforted multitudes of people throughout the years when they sing that song. It's an amazing thing how God turned that thing and he made it something that was a blessing that was true. Only a believer who trusts God's involvement in their life will they ever lean upon Romans 8, 28. Huh? I know I'm going through it, but I also know my God's working too. The second thing about God for us believers is his purpose in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, now get this, to be conformed to the image of his son. What is God's purpose? And that verse right there says to conform us into the image of his son. As we're faced with life's trials, temptations come our way, sufferings come our way, God desires for us to come out on the other side of that difficulty more matured and more grown up. Amen? He wants us to grow through that. And God works through our experiences, all the good and all the bad, to mold us, to make us more like his son. Galatians 4.19 says this, My little children of whom I travail in birth, Again, until Christ be formed in you. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, there's an exchange that takes place. 2 Corinthians 4.11 is a great verse that says, For we which live and always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest, it might appear, it might be seen and evidenced by other people in our mortal flesh. God wants us to show Christ living in us. That gives the reason for the hope to give to other individual people. I've seen a lot of you here and a lot of others that are watching online and I've seen you go through some stuff. But I've seen you on the other side be a real testimony. Faithful, regardless of what you've gone through. And that's been such a testimony, not just to me, but to many other people. And uh, we just praise God for you. The third thing, notice the next thing in verse 29, if you would. Verse 29 again. I want you to see, since God's on our side... Let, his power. Think about his power. He has power to foreknow. It states there, for whom he did foreknow. It's those God foreknew he would conform them to the image of Christ. And he only does that to believers that he chose before the world began. Ephesians 1.4 says this here, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. God conforms people, but only those that are saved. That's the only ones he will. 
Now back to verse 30, it says this, notice his power to be able to predestinate. Moreover, whom he did predestinate. God predestinated us believers. And by the way, the word predestination there, or predestinate, it never is used for a lost person. It's only used as to a believer. Before we were born or saved, God mapped out a particular plan for those who would be saved. Only believers can be holy, conforming to Jesus Christ's image, right? God beforehand determined what believers are to be in his mind. This is what I want my children to be. Then he backs up and he starts. Now that's a good little statement right there. He backed up and he started. He knew what he wanted believers to be like. And so he backed up and he began. Also notice his power in verse 30, if you would. Them he also called. He has power to call people. He foreknew, he predestinated, and he called us. John 6, 29 says this here. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe. That's his work, to get you to believe on him whom he hath sent. And the way he does that, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. How does he do it? through the setting apart, the sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. That's how he does it. If God didn't call us, we never would have gone to him on our own. We, that's an impossibility. And the reason is we were dead. There is none that seeketh after God. We just didn't show up. But God, he worked, he moved, he called us as he did Lydia. He opened her heart. As he did Lazarus come forth, he called us by his power. Something else, his power, verse 30, he says, them he also justified. So here's this great power of God for knowing us, predestinating us, calling us, and justifying us. In heaven's court, legal action on our behalf took place the moment we believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Before the throne of God, we believers were declared righteous. Our sin was taken off of our account and placed upon Christ's account. And then Christ's righteousness and goodness was placed to our account. That before God now, I am righteous because I'm in him. Amen. Amen? We've been pardoned, acquitted, cleared, forgiven, sins wiped clean, no longer guilty, once for all time, as a gift from Almighty God. Romans 8.1 says this here, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ and you get there by believing in the gospel, you'll never come under condemnation. Chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore being justified, how? By faith we have peace 
with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he hath made him, Christ, to be sin for us, he, Christ, who knew no sin, that we, the sinner who believes in the gospel, might be made the righteousness of God. How? In him. That's how we get saved. In him. Amen? And then notice his power again. He says in verse 30, them he also glorified. So God's power for us believers, he foreknew, he predestinated, he called, he justified, and he glorified. We're good as done in God's sight. It states in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. <laughs> this is God's promise to all those saved, all those that are in the body of Christ, that you're going to make it there. It's irrevocable. Nothing can prevent it. It's as good as done. Paul says what God promises is so certain that it's as if it's already done. Titus 1-2 says this here, In hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. He says, Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it for how long? until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? This passage here means that God is all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he sees the end from the beginning. And by the way, why would God proclaim or promise this hope for us if he knows it's not going to happen? That would make God a liar, and God's no liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? And so he says, listen, it's a done deal. I started you and I'm going to finish you. I'm the Alpha. I'm the Omega. I'm the author. I'm the finisher of your faith. I'll get you there. You don't have to worry about that now. Amen? Okay. Amen? Yes. It states in verse 31, Notice his praise in verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He's saying, oh, you ought to praise me. And by the way, he deserves our praise. In view of the fact God is for us, he's on our side. In verse 26, it says the Holy Spirit is. In verse 31, the Father is. Verse 32, the Son is. The entire Godhead in its fullest is on our side. Since the entire Godhead's on our side, who cares who's against us? Our focus is God. And I believe we should praise him for that truth. Notice in verse 32, he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? There we see his price. What did it cost God to love you and me so much? What did it cost? It's unfathomable. It cost the Father, his only begotten Son, his only unique Son, no one ever like him, to die for man's sins. 
the cross. It was no accident. The Father planned it. He didn't hold back his fury, his wrath that he poured upon his Son on that cross for our sins because he knew how much suffering it had to take in order to appease his justice and forgive all of our sins. And he didn't hold it back. Isaiah 53, verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. But it states, it's the Lord who poured out his wrath, who bruised his only begotten son. And if God has done the most difficult thing, he did the most difficult thing by allowing his son to go to the cross. He doesn't have any problem meeting yours and my needs. He's done the most difficult thing. Do you think he has a problem with providing for us? It's no problem whatsoever. By the way, he cares for us and we're part of his family now because we're in his son. Then notice his protection in verse 33. His protection. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth his protection. It's as if Paul was in a courtroom. Paul challenged those in the audience and shows all that it's impossible to lay any kind of charge against a believer in Christ. Satan and a lot of people have tried that, but to no avail. Amen? You see, and the reason is, when we believe the gospel, we're in Christ. And being in Christ, we identify with him. When we're in Christ, we identify with him. His work becomes ours. Hello? His work becomes ours. We have already stood trial in and through Christ at Calvary. We've already appeared before the judge in Christ, already had the evidence considered, already had the verdict reached, and God the judge has already decided we are accepted in Christ. Our sin case has been closed forever. No charges against us, all sins forgiven because we're in Christ. Amen? That's his protection. And then his prayers in verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. There's his prayers for us. You see, now he has a position, and his position and his office are not in a tomb but on a throne, the very right hand of God. And if Christ loved us enough to die for us, do you think that God, you think he's going to turn around and condemn us? Condemn us after all he's done in order to save us? He would never do anything like that, amen? But he's on the Father's right hand to pray for us. He, in a sense, is our defense attorney our mediator. He defends us based upon what he's accomplished. 
Hebrews 7, 25 says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that came unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Amen? And I believe with all my heart he prays for us to continue the battle for truth. He wants us to stay in the fight. He doesn't want us to be sidelined. He wants us to go full steam, full ahead for his honor and his glory. And I believe he prays for us to have the grace needed for our journey. We all need grace at times. But Paul said, my grace is sufficient. And that tells me something. It's not like I pray and then God, please give me your grace. He says, my grace is already activated. I believe it's already activated, already working because the Son has been praying the grace would be sufficient. Amen? Amen. You'll get a hold of that later, maybe. Verse 35 through 39, we close. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? It is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There we see his preserving. Paul here is comforting all believers by reminding them. They, regardless of anything, will ever be separated from God and his love. And let me say something about that. God and love can't be separated because God is love. <laughs> you have God, you have love. Amen? And we can't be separated, regardless of how bad we miserably fail at times. Anybody identify with that beside me? <laughs> and he still loves us. Under the law, they were told to love God. Under grace, we're told how much God loves us. What a difference it is. In verses 35 through 39, it was saying, nothing in time or space, in heaven or hell, in earth or the universe, existing or comes into existence, will ever be able to separate you from Christ's love. He says, nothing. So I say all these things just to say, we have a great God, and he loves you and me. And even though we're going through a lot of stuff, we still have him who is everything. And I think of this, Christ's love for us believers, his love is unending, unselfish, unchanging, unfailing, undeniable, unequaled, unlimited, unquestionable, and unworthy. Have you ever stopped to think how much God loves you? And if you ever stop and you really are serious and you start thinking about how much God loves you, loves me, it's shocking. It's overwhelming. I mean, to think that the creator of this world loves even me, it'll do something to your soul, I promise you.
So as believers, we're going through some stuff, but we have his promise, his purpose, his power, his praise, his price, his protection, his prayers, his preserving. We'll never be separated from God's love. But you can't say that of a lost person. Amen? Lost people will be separated from God's love one day when they stand before God at the white throne judgment and they'll be cast into hell, never allowed ever to ever experience the love of God, ever. What an awful state that would be in for one. Amen? And if you're here or you're watching by way of the live stream or Roku, whatever it might be, Facebook, if you've never believed in Christ, you can have this great God, but you have to believe that he's the son of God. He died for your sins. He was buried, and he rose again. That and that alone is sufficient, is enough to save you. Just believe that, and you'll be saved. And I hope that you do that. Father, we love you. We thank you that though we go through trials and difficulties in our life, we have you. That means we have everything needed for our life for eternity. You're a great God. You've been so gracious to us. You've helped us when we didn't ask for help. You've helped us when we didn't deserve your help. You've helped us when we failed you. You've always been there for us. Now, God, may we decide in our hearts as believers that we're going to be there for you. We're going to be steadfast, unmovable. We're going to stand up for the name of Christ. We're going to proclaim the gospel of grace, the mystery program, and not be ashamed regardless of the attacks, regardless of the unkind words. We count it a privilege to suffer for you, God, if that's what you call for. So we just want to tell you today, we love you. Thank you for being our God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.